You're listening to episode 46 of the Can Geek Podcast, in which we talk about the Wikipedia of Conventions continuum. We would like to apologize for the following presentation. Welcome to the Can Geek Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a, a cabal, if you wish, of insane co-hosts today. Please introduce yourselves, one at a time. Oh my god, we're a cabal! Oh, I'm Connie. I'm Creighton. And I'm Logan, apparently. I've gathered these people together, not because I'd like them, but because... <laughs> But because we recently went to a rather lovely convention in Melbourne called Continuum. It is a sort of science fiction, literary, everything type geek pod, uh, where it has pretty much everything you could find. It's, it's all a bunch of range of niche interests. It was all in that sci-fi spectrum. I actually had an absolutely wonderful time there. I was expecting it to be as per the normal conventions that we will attend, a.k.a. Manifest, Supernova, um, Armageddon. Armageddon, which are usually what you would call, if you got putty, and the putty was geeks, and you go splat and smush it all together. It's awesome, and it's rainbow, and it's sometimes slightly brown, and it's basically uh, a big awesome mess. And manages to hold together for about <clears throat> four days, and then it falls apart. Exactly. That, that um, smelled terrible, by the way. Continuum, as, as a contrast, <laughs> was very conversational. It's, it's as if, instead of going to a dance club, you went to the speakeasy of conventions. You, you had some nice conversations. Everyone was, was, was eloquent and interesting and civil. and civil. And the convention space was very nice. It wasn't made of concrete this time. It was yeah. made of hotel. Not, not as many <laughs> knife fights as they usually were. Yeah, I, I had an absolute blast done, and especially the audience participation. Yes, the thing yes. that differentiates Continuum from many other conventions is the fact that the majority of the schedule is panels. People sitting down and talking, giving lecture-type, uh, open discussion-type panels. Uh, at any one time, there's three or four panels. There's a couple of other type of events, but the vast majority is sitting down and um, listening to people and sharing and discussing ideas. And just to finish off my little preamble, uh, Continuum was a Melbourne convention held on June 10th to 13th. Do they normally hold it on the Queen's birthday long weekend or did no, it just happen? No, this time they moved it. It ah. was previously held a week earlier uh, and they moved it so that it went from a three-day convention to a four-day convention, which is mm. very nice. So uh, you guys, we attended as our, our big media group, Cabal yeah. if you will, on the <laughs> Saturday. Uh, and I attended on the Friday, Saturday, and the Monday. And uh, we also had uh, other friends of ours who we've, I've talked to who attended the entire weekend. So I will fill out um, any gaps that you guys have. Sure, sure. How was, how was the Friday rating differently to the Saturday? Well, the Friday rated quite differently because it was, it was free. Was free. It? Yes. <laughs> it started um, a little bit later um, and, and ended about midnight. There were actually a number of panels that I would have really liked to have attended on Friday. Was there any that you enjoyed in particular? Friday got off to a pretty good start. I got in time just for one of the main events, which was the, the Great Debate. Following on from that was one of my favourites, which was Hating the Classics. Now, this was a what? prime example of... How um, you hate the classics? Well, that, Sacrilege! <laughs> the, the concept was is that it was people talking about things like Lord of the Rings, uh, Bra Dracula, uh, Jane Austen books, which are hailed as great almighty classics, and talking about how people didn't actually like them just that people much. ripping just into them basically personal experiences and uh, let, me, let me guess Lord, Lord of the Rings was just just fucking throw the ring in already <laughs> <laughs> no I think one of the biggest com complaints was you know things like Tom Bombadil which didn't need to be in there and the <laughs> fact that sometimes yeah. it's just that drawn out what? okay okay, okay. I, let no, me go can no, I just stop no no you can't oh. Tom Bombadil was a Wit. No! Seriously. You can't you can't have Lord of the Rings without the trudge. That was kind of just one of like uh, Tolkien's things. It Tom makes Bombadil the journey was a longer. nice like add-in for that. 
that wasn't boring for a second. So it's kind of integral. And like, seriously, if you want the, the, the glossed over version, look up YouTube or see the Lord of the Rings movies. And Carnival's reaction was the exact opposite of the kind of discussion that was going on in the panel. <laughs> it was really awesome because even though people didn't always agree Seriously. in why they hate the classics, we were at least interested in why oh, we had yeah. differing opinions. Mm. It was the best example uh, of, of a really good continuum discussion panel where it turned a group of strangers who had some kind of united interest into a, a group of friends who wanted to discuss things. Huh. And one of the great things about this panel is even if you didn't read a lot of these books, you at least knew what they were because you they're, they're iconic classics. Yeah. Mm. And also they explained enough in the panel so that you could uh, understand their reasonings and join in the discussion. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. But following on from that on the Friday... Um, was 80s and 90s weird, which was kind of at the other end of the spectrum. It was a screening uh, of 80s and 90s uh, movies and, and, and such, and just going, oh, hey, aren't these, aren't these wacky, aren't these goofy? But unfortunately, it had some organizational issues. They didn't actually start screening a, uh, any, anything, any DVDs, until halfway through. Uh, the one hour panel oh, and then there was only laptop speakers so you couldn't really hear uh, what they were saying oh, was that a and there was just a lack of preparation I mean they, they, they were playing off DVDs instead of you know ripping the clips and, and having them prepared just to get ready to play well, was them was it just a, a technical hitch was it or they just, just badly prepared. planned it was just yeah. it, it, it felt like they kind of rocked up with um, a stack of DVDs and decided to talk about them. Oh. That said, I am a film school snob who kind of has a certain <laughs> level of expectation yeah, yeah. for my film discussions. There was lots of, hey, has anyone heard of this? No, but yeah, let me tell you about it. Oh. And has anyone heard of this? Yeah, let me tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you don't know what you're talking about, isn't that entertaining and really mm. hard to follow and a little bit alienating? Mm. Oh, but yeah. most of the room seem to enjoy that. So, okay. you know, your mileage may vary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so that brings us to Saturday. Now we're on the day that we were all there and kind of talk about the panels that we, we, we had shared experiences of oh, yeah. and also things that uh, when we split off and went to see different things. I know, we actually did a United Media thing and we were trying to cover the card. My God, organisation, the mind boggles. <laughs> what was the first one we rocked up and uh, Catherine M. Valentine's guest of honour speech. He did yes, a reading from... ways to... Of looking at space-time. That's right, yeah. looking at space-time. But I, I actually really enjoyed this once I worked out what was going on. Because yes. I didn't realise that she was basically reading prose. And what it is, is it's creation myths from different parts of the world. Um, Ancient Greek, uh, Native American Indians. Yeah, things like that. And they were rehashed. For a sci-fi context. As high sci-fi. Mm. So, so you know, they, they'd be born of neutronium stars and they would wipe the helium silt from their eyes. Instead of being, you know, born of an egg and then wiping sludge away from their eyes, it was, you know, far more sci-fi and grandiose. Yeah, and I yeah it was there was cool. very big scientific words laced in with the mythos. Mm. Yes, but interspersed with that, it was alternating chapters. Every second chapter yes. was the story of a fictional science fiction writer, and uh, was a lot of her based yeah. on her own life experiences. Yes, yeah. Yeah. most certainly the science fiction writer. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. a lot of her formative experiences, you know, in high school and as an adult, and her fears and experiences. It's good because uh, really... still a stillborn child, failed relationships. Yeah, mm. it really real. The concrete like, the one was my favourite. <laughs> it was. It was as she was a child. She was walking along, and then she took a step that wasn't there. And, and fell into the concrete. And she was only there for maybe 15 minutes. 15 yeah. minutes. But as a child, it Felt feels like day. a very, very long time. And so it was the sort of thoughts that she put into it, which were things like, um, am I going to be stuck here? Will, will I have to eat my meals and, you know, do do my schoolwork from here in the concrete? Will, will people, people come... come along and pay a dollar to see the girl stuck <laughs> in stone? Yeah, I love the line where she said, will I turn to stone? Yeah, that's yes, just a wonderful childish about thought. Yeah. Mm. 
So no, that, that was that yeah. was very cool, and it was very humanizing when she eventually stuffed up a word because she seemed very. Because <laughs> during this, I was I was having a look at her website on my iPhone you, using the the wondrous technology of the internet, <laughs> and her photo when I first saw it seemed like one of those preppy prose. I am not going to smile at you because I am a poet type photos. And I was like, oh deep. dear. <laughs> and listening to this this very high-end prose. Well read. Well read prose that was coming out. I was just like, oh, this lady might be a bit of... Up herself. Yeah. Bit of a stick. Then she stuffed up a word. And she laughed and the, the tension in the room just sort of oh, left a bit. Yeah. And she was completely- like, you know... Speaking it is a lot different to reading. You can yeah. read it a lot easier, but when you have to say it, even though you wrote it, you can stumble over some words. And so when it came about time to do the Q&A, she was actually far more um, relaxed. receptive and relaxed yeah. with the audience, which was really nice. Yeah, mm. I found it actually like a soothing voice to listen to, because growing mm. up, I, I would listen to a lot of um, books on tape on long car trips up to Sydney and beyond. So... I found it of that very that beautiful sort of that warm American tone mm. to her voice where I, I can very much imagine that was if, if there was a talking book that she would do the voice. Yeah. Mm. I found it very nice to listen to. Yeah, you were in all that panel, weren't you as well, Colin? Yes, I was the person sitting next to you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> That's right, no we were sitting across from you guys. Sorry. <laughs> what do you think of it? Oh no, I, I thought it was wonderful. My favourite parts were definitely the uh the personal stories of this fictional science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. I have I mean, to say I'd agree with you on yeah. that. The, the science fiction mythologies were very intriguing, but they're also very very hard to penetrate dense. because they were so mm-hmm. dense in their language. You can appreciate that it's a, it's a well-written and yeah, uh, well, like, well told, but there's just parts you just can't grasp. Just like when I, if, if you go to the opera, I'm no opera mm-hmm. aficionado, I can appreciate mm-hmm. it, I just can't grasp the complexities yeah. and intricacies of it. Yeah. Yeah. But conversely, the, the this tale of this fictional science yeah. fiction writer was very engaging and very yes. humanising. Yes. It was written from this... Uh, it was uh, weaved well. Like, yeah. You know, the, the way she sort of told it, uh, it was just very good story writing, I thought. Yeah, it was from like a sort of uh, an uh, omnipotent perspective where she'd write about her husband, but talk about it as, you know, her future husband who would seem to be a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. uh, what do you call it, like, past reflective. Well, the first one that we went to afterwards was Fancraft. We were expecting, here's how we made this awesome proper cosplay. It was more so, here's this awesome thing we knitted. In other Which, ways, but it was it was very low-key. Like, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, key. I made he's, a couple of a, things. Here's a Doctor Who necklace or, or bracelet thing that I made. Yeah, and some well, photos I swiped off the yeah. net. It was a little, not quite what we expected. I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't quite what I expected. I enjoyed some of the things that they found online the most. Specifically, oh. the knitted portal turret. <laughs> Was my absolute favourite that that someone had knitted a portal turret and then had a friend who knows electronics who recorded the all the voice grabs from the portal game and installed it with little motion sensor so that it would respond as per the game to you. But so if you it's picked squishy it up, and adorable. So if you picked it up or if you tipped it over or if you whatever, you it, would, it, it, yeah. it would respond accordingly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Those were more the things that I would expect at the panel. I agree that like it was entertaining, but it's not really what I was expecting. It's kind of like they've grabbed the best things that they like off the internet, which anyone oh, does they over a stuff weekend. too. But yeah, like, I liked much more what they made themselves, which was you know that little uh, the steampunk glove and stuff like that, and mm. how they sort of did that. I was I was more there to see what they do, what they craft, and how they do it to get into the mind of how you know show, show and tell, basically something physical, tangible you can touch, I, rather than they, just something cool my friend made in the US. 
But they did that, Carney. The first like three quarters. Yeah, of the I, I liked that. that better than the latter. I think oh, the latter okay, stuff was I unnecessary. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to explain that it was held in the smallest uh, panel room, and so it was very intimate. And so that it was wonderful the fact that they could show up a necklace at the front of the room, and everyone could see it. They also passed it around, but it was such a small, intimate uh, panel room yeah. that you could see their jewelry and things like that. You couldn't do it at any uh, other. Yeah, yeah. 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 it'd be nice <laughs> if the whole panel was that. That's what I was sort but of the getting. The majority at. of the panel was. They were very prepared. They had lots of wonderful mm. bits of jewelry, um, small. Accessories like gloves and armbands and things like that. They had a wonderful PowerPoint presentation that they well had all prepared. Mm, great Very material. Well and what it was, it was essentially uh, them sharing things that they created. And sh- uh, also, I think the m- minority of it, I don't know how long it ran for, but I think only about a quarter of it was showing off other things people created. Mm. Yeah, th- it was the tail end, but I thought it was a weak finisher, to be honest. They could have had some grandiose thing that they'd made. Um, I-, I quite enjoyed, actually, the feedback that... Um, uh, people in the audience could ask about like where they went for stuff what they do stuff. that stuff was a lot oh, more engaging what is that fantastic I have resource. my notes right here they mentioned reverse art truck which yes. is yes. in Ringwood mm. for you Victorian people and the other resource for people in New South Wales is reverse garbage and both of those are great resources for collecting junk and things that you can use for your cosplay well, I thought it was a very good delivery for people that aren't used to making things. For instance, there was the girl who made little necklace which she would wear to work and she'd be able to pick the fans because they'd pick the necklace or say, I just got these little Buddha things and some leaves and it was supposed to be, um, I'm a leaf upon the wind, which is her little fan bracelet to wash from the Firefly series. So they're little things that people who aren't normally able to say, hey, I'm going to create this huge, wonderful thing, but still want to create something based upon their fandom can be inspired because they're small, useful things. Mm. I quite like that. I was looking to learn more, but I'm not really against the fact that I didn't. Yeah, most of the pieces are very small and also very sentimental. Mm. Uh, and, and so it was mostly about them sharing uh, the stories behind that, uh, yeah. uh, those, those creations as well, showing them off. What was, what was the next one we went to? I think we split up a little bit there. We did. We did. I yes. went to Free Culture. And you guys came in on the end of that, but where were you in the meantime? Oh. I went to the Team Matt versus Team David, the rematch oh, uh, panel. Like? So that was the Doctor Who geekery geek out panel. For those of you that don't know, um, Matt Smith is the current incarnation of the Doctor, the whereas Doctor. David Tennant was the previous incarnation of the Doctor. So yeah, there was... is hot debate about who is the hottest. Like, yes. versus versus Bowtie. Was it a good debate? It, it was. Um, it didn't really sort of blow up anything new or give any amazing new perspectives um, I wasn't expecting. It was a lot of, ah, oh, David Tennant could just die already! Oh, and, um, oh so it was no Matt, like... Matt, Matt, Matt Smith is way too foppish. Ah, oh, okay, I kind of knew that. So it was basically a bunch of nerds having rants about... No, it was fun, though. Look, I, I think, you know, it, when people have enough passion for what they're talking about, it can be, uh, I'm entertained. I mean, whether it's Jamie Oliver talking about cooking, I don't think he's cooking that... <laughs> no, seriously, I, I've tried some of his meals. Like, you know, I've made uh, the cookbook, and they're, they're not that good. But his passion for it sells it. So the passion <laughs> for the... potatoes! These are so no, good! No, pretty much... That's Crying it. So the passion joy. that these people had for, you know, their respective teams, for Team Matt and Team David... Yes, Carney. Did you learn anything? Though? I learned some new things about you know rep references to uh, past doctors and past episodes like that. So that was interesting, and they still came to the conclusion that well, we really can't decide until the end of the run because we really can't see where the doctor's going. Oh, at this point. that is a cliffhanger. Um, free culture. You were at the beginning of it. What, what? was her pitch? Yes, please tell us. Okay, free culture. That's spelled with a K. That's it's not so much a panel, but as more of a, a kind of a, a way of surveying an idea 
in, in a panel format. The panels want to create some kind of uh, event outside of Continuum, which would gather technological, art-type people, people of various mediums together to create a, a single work. There wasn't a, a particular... It was very loosely structured and um, not too much came out of it, unfortunately. And you guys kind of walked in at the moment that she split us off into two groups and kind of gave us a, a series of questions to go, go so around and, and start much. discussing ideas of, um, you know, what are each of our, our main talents and what would be a project that, the, that our group of five could work on uh, that used each of our talents. Mm-mm. Can I just read out the little blurb for it? Oh. This is this is what enticed us to go to this panel. It's a good blurb. And um, yeah, it's important that freak, freak culture it basically says we're told art is only uh, only real if someone pays for it, and online sharing is bad. Balls to that! Freak culture is an evolving event for celebrating, showing off, and collaborating on things that we love to create, from writing to vidding to music and software. So uh, the impression that we sort of drew from that was it's about the sharing of art rather than say keeping it to yourself or working on bigotry and having it very closed doors we were hoping it would be something like well why do you share do we feel the need to um you know ha- mm. has has the the social uh my feelings and thoughts on it if, if, if you want sort of a perspective on how it would come together is that you get a bunch of people at school and i know she didn't want to use classroom as a name of it but, but we're going best, to anyway <laughs> it is the best example i can give is that you take a bunch of people randomly from two to three classes that are mashed together in the library, split them off into groups of five, and tell them to put something together. Now, that's kind of what it felt like, because the biggest issue that we, we brought up with it was that you didn't have anyone directing each group. It was, go find some nice people and get together and make something. But there wasn't anyone who was able to pull these skill sets in together. So, as though I think it was a very novel idea... Um, personally, I believe it's already being done on places like DeviantArt where people be like, hey, here, you've got a cool skill set. Would you like to be involved with this project I'm organizing with organization being the key factor in it? Like, uh, one thing that I have to, have to bring up because I was thinking it the whole time, uh, during was we, what she's pitching, the idea that she's wanting to eventually do, we do that. We host art jams every now and again. Not quite as, um, uh, frequently as we want to, but... It, we do it. You want people to rock up and be creatively inclined, be nice, be encouraging, hold a free sausage sizzle. Fuck, people will rock up for that sort of stuff. Like, it's, it's free really not, ha- not hard. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it does take a certain amount of uh, creative direction. You know, you need someone to be nice to all parties and to engage them and to encourage them and stuff like that. You actually so- made me realise the lesson out of this is that it's very difficult to force people together into a group and to get them to collaborate. If people want to collaborate and work on something creatively, they will do it anyway. It'll ha- it'll evolve naturally. Exactly. Um, it's very hard to not. put people together in a room and ask them to make things. Yeah. Unless you hold them at gunpoint. And even then, it's very difficult. Believe me, I've tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it can be done. My point is it can be done. You can get strangers to come together. But unless you have something that is smoothing all these tetric pieces um it it what a better pitch would have been is to give people or at least acknowledge and try and get more skill sets as to organizing these would be far more beneficial than oh people should just do this because people don't just do this there's got to be like a reason to what was yeah. the next one do uploads dream of electric sheep <laughs> that's the one um this one i was really looking forward to it's it's on transhumanity which is the uploading of 
consciousness into a virtual space or a computer or a something like self. that. Basically, it is the removal of the physical body into a non-physical space. The Matrix. What would be... How, how would this go about? What would be the repercussions of this? What would the mindscape be? Would people be able to handle it? I just wanted to throw in there, Logan mentioned the Matrix, but transhumanism isn't just, you know, uploading your mind to the Matrix. It could also be uh, uploading your mind into, say, a robotic exoskeleton. Mm. So you're still in the real world, but this time, instead of interacting through your fleshy meat body, you're interacting through your steely robot body. Mm. Yeah, and, and like... Damn you fleshy meat nubs. <laughs> there, there, there was also, like, the cloning thereof, so twin sentiences, and the differences that they may or may not uh, go down either path, as well as elements like uh, immortality through uh, uploading your consciousness to an ever-electrified network. And I found that it was a very interesting uh, philosophical discussion, because mm. but we're, we're still a fair way from uh, down the track from being able to achieve this. The way it was being uh, addressed was almost as if it's inevitable. An so, impending well, doom. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, look, it's going to happen, so let's talk about it. They did a lot <laughs> of not talking about Second Life, which was very good, because that's a wonderful example of it. I can't remember the panellist's name, but he said... They were like, what's going to happen? He says, it's going to be like Second Life. You'll go there and you'll finally craft your little island with your little house. Then some other guy is going to send a penis storm up. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is probably true, because that's what people do. Um, I love you, internet. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Like, Like, my thoughts on the topic was that I think with the removal of the body our thoughts are going to be very different. Well, you, you, yeah, you kept asking questions and they were trying to remember what other people were like, no, you will answer my question, I remember. <laughs> I'll see you right next to you. I demand answers. Like, answers. like <laughs> the removal of hormones. Hormones play a lot in how we think. Yeah, like, yeah. what's going to happen when you don't have any more hormones? Would you even bother simulating hormones? Mm. Uh, well, actually, things like anger as well, but also yeah. and uh, adrenaline was one that yeah. you talked about. Yeah, very interesting. But also the fact that the brain is essentially a muscle. At the end of the day, the the brain is a muscle. So when you take that information that's in that muscle into and put it in a computer form, it's, it's going to behave completely differently. Mm-mm. Yeah, I jumped in. I actually started that block off in um, uh, <laughs> Star Wars is just a western with spaceships defining genres. Yeah, well, if I can just explain the title, I mean. People have often described Star Wars as, well, it's essentially a Western, a ragtag bag of heroes out to, uh, you know, fight yeah, the, the big bad guys. Serious. Which, again, is, is made more interesting by the fact that it's based on Hidden Fortress, which is an Akira Kurosawa samurai film. So it's a Western, but it's also a samurai film. It's all these things. But now it's in space. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I was in there for about ten minutes after just listening to a bunch of authors complain about how their books could only be in one part of the bookshop and not other parts and how amazing it was and thankful that Am- with Amazon that you could have your book in multiple parts you know so it's like okay by parts you mean genres genres sorry yes I meant rather sorry in multiple sections yeah so I gave that about 10 minutes before leaving therein lies the beauty of having like 3 or 4 panels yes. at one time even though not every panel was amazingly wonderful there were amazingly wonderful panels and if you did not like your panel it is your own fault if you stuck stayed in there because yes. there are at least 2 or 3 other panels you, you can could have change the channel seen. As well as readings and signings and interesting mm. people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the one after the AI panel, which was um, Perception. Mind and Consciousness. That one was really cool. Like, it it was best summed up by um, what uh, Chris, one of the panellists, said, which was that if you are on drugs, while you are on the drugs, you feel happy. Just because you are on a... Um, man-made 
happy high, does that mean you're not happy? Or does it mean you're happy anyway? Yeah, does that experience count for anything? Does that experience count the same? Yeah. Hmm. Do, you want to, do you want to do the blurb? Because I think it's a very good blurb. That yeah, okay, so by the panel. Into the microphone. Uh, science fiction is an ideal genre for exploring philosophical concepts. In this panel, we'll look at some of the philosophies behind the fiction relating to consciousness and perceptions. And um, so they go on to say things like The Matrix, Total Recall, Dark City, uh, th- things like Inception. that. Yeah, th- there was enough meat did. in it for it to be good. Uh, it could have been shaped a bit better, though. Well, I think I think there was too much media. That's the sort of thing that you really need a forum or a, a two hours to to discuss over. Because there's really, especially if you've got the audience participating, it just. I don't think they were intending it on that. I could sort of see everyone as some people put their hand up again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that I'm I'm not sure if I've mentioned enough in uh, so far is the fact that. Not only is continuing very different from being very panel-centric, but also the fact that it allows and encourages mm. uh, audience discussion. A lot of the a lot of the discussion would come about from people in the audience joining in, which yes. does not happen at any other convention I can think of. Normally, if someone interrupts your panel, it's very annoying. It's shut that one guy who won't shut up, and I'll talk for five minutes, and I'll take over the panel. Here, in many cases, sometimes the audience and the our panelists would help moderate each other or mm. they contribute very, very valuable ideas. It's very mm. give and take. Yeah. I, I, it's very uh, unique like that. And, okay. and it's not just ask a question of the panelists and let them give give their answer. There, there were actually points where the, the a person in the audience would raise a point, they would give a counterpoint from the panelists and then the person in the audience would raise a counterpoint to that. So there, there was, you know, intelligent debate and, and contrast going on between the panelists and between the audience and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. As well as studies that, like, people in the audience would bring up. Yeah. Sometimes mm. the panellists either didn't know of or weren't up to date on. Mm. Yeah, that was one of my beasts. Was I found Mind and Consciousness to be a very entertaining panel. They had four um, very eloquent panellists who I found very engaging, but they did overuse the phrase research shows, which is one of my pet peeves. Yeah. It takes two seconds to mention a researcher name or the, the year or the university to actually reference and yes, the fact that you actually your knowledge. read not just a newspaper clipping about the article, about the experiment, but actually read the paper or at least the abstract mm. of the paper. Mm. Um, the the annoying thing for me is that I studied this. I did, like, I minored in psychology, but unfortunately my knowledge in uh, brain biology and perception was a little bit out of date so yeah. that I, I couldn't articulate why they were wrong in certain places. <laughs> you just like, knew they were. I had a feeling. I'm like, I don't think what they said is quite I right. I feel a disturbance like, in the force. <laughs> as if a thousand test subjects <laughs> <laughs> cried out at once, were suddenly silenced, but could not be extrapolated to the greater population. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, I totally know what you mean because I did a bit of psych uh, way back in college as well. And, yeah, it's out, it's out of date now and, like, I, I couldn't for the life of me remember or drop any important names or studies and things like that. But there's this sort of underlying thing where it's like, yes and no. Because yeah. one of the problems was is that I think it's wonderful to take uh, inspiration from things like The Matrix and Inception as, mm. as a, a launch for a philosophical debate. Mm. But if you're going to bring things like brain biology and how the human body actually processes and... Uh, those sensory uh, inputs. Oh, you got to back it up. Um, that's when you need to have some science behind it because it, yeah. you, uh, media plays with science and you, 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 science people have more of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, keeping in mind that it was supposed to be from a sci-fi thing, I had to keep telling Ray that who was sitting next to it. He was just sitting there going, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, it's from, it's from a sci-fi point of view, man. Just, just try and remember just that. Just deal with it. <laughs> because being the very scientifically minded, he was taking, you know, the, the, the philosophy side with 
with no grain of salt whatsoever, none to be had, and he was just not enjoying it. <laughs> and the sad thing is, we had a psychology student in our party, but he wasn't in the panel. Oh, dub dub. Uh, well, while you guys were all being highfalutin and that, I sort of went lowest common denominator and went how to sex your vampire. <laughs> <laughs> in my defence, I did actually initially want to go to see uh, Dark Kingdom Walt Disney Pictures <gasps> from 1979 to 1985, but yeah. unfortunately that was rescheduled for the next day when we weren't there, so... Yeah. This is my second pick. It was entertaining because they had a uh, vampire fiction author. Well, I don't think there's vampire fact author. Um, <laughs> there should be. There so yes. should be. <laughs> uh, I'm actually kind of like it. We've uh, kind of um, read the blurb a couple of times. I think it's a good kind of introduction for the audience to get the, the gist of what uh, the panel was. So do you mind so just yeah, doing that? Uh, so are female vampires inevitably more monstrous than their male counterparts? Do male vampires represent anxieties about homosexuality? Can we explore how ideologies of gender and sexuality have shaped the, deception, the depiction of Western literature's most popular fantasy monster? Can I answer those three? No. One, <laughs> one, it depends where the teeth are. Two, I've seen worse people than the vampires on, you know, party photos on the internet. Uh. And three, yes. <laughs> uh, I tried to slip in a reference to Queen of the Dam, but they just wouldn't have a word of it. They oh, said, really? <laughs> Oh, you were shunned. I, like yeah, pretty believer. much. I just said, look, we're in Melbourne and we're talking about vampires. We can't not mention Queen of the Dam. They've gone, yes, we can. Just watch us. <laughs> <laughs> Nodding all the while. <laughs> yes, it was entertaining because the, the, people, the people on the panel did know their stuff. They, like I said, one was a uh, vampire fiction author and she had done a lot of research for her books purposely to make them... Uh, Oh, the opposite to what uh, traditional vampires are. So she, you know, her vampire, you know, one of the ma her main character is uh, he's balding, he's you know overweight, he's not very, he's not the sex, he's he's basically not the vampires in true if blood. It's the author I'm thinking about are her aren't her vampires impotent because of the blood flow issues? <laughs> I think it, yes, yeah. I was going to I was going to ask that the entire panel is called vampires and sexy, and one of the main things, at least with the male anatomy. Is you need yes, blood flow. Well. <laughs> and again, that comes back to the dating the undead panel. Yes, from yeah, last and she was actually a lot of teenagers. She was on the same panel. It was actually the same woman. Uh, I know we have shared knowledge. I know we're I'm friends not, outside I, the I, show. I'm, 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 I know this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm explaining to these fun people here. No, no, don't, don't tell anyone else for friends. <laughs> <laughs> but chance, did any of you catch the uh, wild, the fancy wildlife oh, panel? I wanted to. I really wanted to. Yes. But then Rose said... Well, no, we, we did try to walk with that, didn't we? Yes, we briefly ducked into it. I believe it was held by uh, the two guests of honour. Oh. Uh, and that panel, uh, while it was a, an interesting discussion about how they incorporate fantasy wildlife creatures into their, into their books, what I was really hoping, and judging from the blurb... Actually, let's, let's do the blurb thing again. Fantasy Wildlife Beyond the Basics Workshop. What do you use or create when you're sick of dragons and unicorns? An audience participation workshop hosted by our esteemed guests of honour, which is Dave Freer and Catherine M. Valentine. So what I was really looking forward to was uh, a very kind of workshoppy type panel where they'd have uh, hundreds and hundreds of images of the fantastic array of animals and amphibians. Uh, sorry, well, amphibians are animals, but amphibians and insects and mammals and all these wonderful creatures across the planet that they could show and say, look at the wonderful variety of species we have on this planet. Harsh carnival. Give me two Did seconds. Did they construct got... a unicorn out of fairy floss? <laughs> <laughs> no? Then get out. No. That was worth interrupting my sphere. <laughs> But showing us the variety of wonderful creatures we have on this planet and say, look what you have for inspiration. 
and and uh, source and and, ju- and just going to sources for and reference images as as building blocks for creating new animals that no one's ever ser- heard of or imagined. This sounds good. No, yes, that's it but it, it was it was only talking. There was no prepared materials. Oh. There was no PowerPoint. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface here for some balloon. game art, and I gotta say, video games are a fantastic place and deviant art as well for people to come up with these things. There was a dude. Mm. Who took a stag beetle and a rhino and a mountain and mixed them together into this big sort of bulky rock-covered tree-eating behemoth? And it was awesome. See, this is the kind of thing that also, if you're going to reference that, really needs a visual backup because that sounds good. I am immediately, upon listening to this lovely podcast, wanting to go Google this to see it. <laughs> like that would have been, yeah, like you said, an interesting way to visually show how awesome real life animals can be yeah, it, especially it, when you get to mix and freaking match yeah, it, yeah, yeah like you say it, it screamed reference material needs reference material this could be absolutely incredible and then it was just very lackluster yes. oh, so what did they talk about like just from their own perspective of how they incorporate um, just from their own perspective as writers in writing their own books and a lot of it was kind of it's a fantasy book. Uh, just make it however you want. If you want to have, you know, winged, winged horses, you can say that maybe they're in a low-density av- atmosphere and that's why their bones, you know, th- th- yeah. th- those wings can lift those giant, very okay. heavy horses. So, or maybe you can just say, it's magic, it's my book, I want flying horses. So I, I will justify it any way I want. Maybe this panel was another casualty of it being lit- literacy-centric? I, I think I'm going to point that out. Uh, one of the things I'm getting most of from Continuum is that it's... Very big sci-fi book author literature type convention compared to as much of a sci-fi movies type convention. Like, I, I think that it could be an element that could be incorporated or, or bolstered quite a lot. So to find out they had nothing, that's really weird. Well, actually, no, they didn't have nothing. It's just the panels you happen to see. Um, mm. Thinking, I'm thinking of things like the Fancraft panel and the Lego panel had really great PowerPoint yeah, presentations. Yeah. They were very prepared. Um, that's not to say that the panelists who didn't prepare as much and kind of went with just a free-ranging discussion, they still ran successful panels. I think the best example of that is the 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 uh, hating the classics panel, which was great. Um, I think the panels prepared uh, quite a bit, but at the same time they let it um, have a free-flowing format, so that can work really well. At the same time, a structured panel where you've got prepared images and you know what you want to show the audience, that is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. It just helps tie it all together quite a bit more. Food for thought, as it were. So you attended Monday as well. Anything special from there? Yes, the Lego panel was quite entertaining. They could have just shown us a whole bunch of creations and said, look at all these cool things that they created, and we would have just clapped and laughed, and it would have been amazing. (coughs) However, they went a little bit a step further because they got um, really informed panelists. They had people who ran the Brickvention convention, a big part of the Lego community in Australia. Brickvention is uh, the premier Lego convention held in Melbourne, Australia. That sounds awesome. And I should add right now, for those of you who are also in Melbourne, there is the Art of the Brick Exposition, which is for free right now, uh, happening at Federation Square during the day. So, This sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. it's free. But these people talked about the Lego community and how, at one point, not unlike even even to draw parallels to furry, at one point, Lego kind of viewed the adult fans of Lego as kind of these strange, queer people who were like, you know, why are they still liking Mm. Lego when they're grown-ups? But have more recently started to embrace them um, and there's there's these groups all around the world, um, generally called lugs, like Lego user groups. Yeah. <gasps> lugs, I love it. This sounds great. Yeah, you and lug it again, <laughs> just like in the furry community, where in Australia we've got mid fur, red fur, uh, 
River, fur jam, Lug fur is in every fur major do. event. Fur do. Fur do, yes. Oh my god, so looking Lug fur? In the Lego community, <laughs> they've got Lug, which is Lego user group. They've got Slug for <gasps> Sydney. <gasps> and Mug for Melbourne. <laughs> Adelug. Uh, oh, god. oh my god! And, and, and Brisbane are Bugs. <laughs> I love it! And, and I love Perth would be so Pugs. Pugs! <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of one for Taz, I'm just tugs, just doesn't yeah. sound good. So it's, it's, it's a really cool Doug. community where they talk about um, uh, websites where they've got archives of where you can buy like individual bricks or bulk older bricks. So it's like, I want a million like one by tens and you can get it in all kinds of colours. You are shitting me, you can buy a Lego wholesale. <laughs> yeah. Oh my good God, why doesn't the world know this? So it was a wonderful peek into, it's like, I like Lego already, but this, th- this was a, a, a window into... Wow, there's a much bigger culture than just people like me who was like, "Yay, Legos!" Yeah, you like, thought you knew Lego. There's people like, "Yeah, <laughs> there, is, there is a dude who built a Lego house, and I mean literally house. It's got plumbing. It's, you, yeah. yeah, you turn on this like Lego like taps and tap. Everything, yeah. oh, oh my god. god, it must be a. Bitch Any other to highlights from Monday? Yeah, what else do we no, have? Doesn't you just knock down a wall? <laughs> Larger living room. Um, there's a there's a number of good panels, but I won't talk about them in too much depth because obviously you weren't there, and then it's just me talking at you. No, no, that I'm fine with that. Oh, the Lego one sounds wicked. One kind of one that's kind of interesting to make a point about is Crone's witches and marginalized power in fairy tales. The sub the blurb goes. Uh, Witches dominate as fairy tale villains. How did older women get such a bad rap? Why is age and power in women something to fear? And, and there's the notion that changed in modern retellings. Let's talk about fear, death, and postmenopausal sexual agency, and some good old-fashioned crones. And so this was a very fascinating panel that was looking at things like how Disney, um, a lot of their villains are old women, Dude. like Entangled, uh, Ursula in The Little Mermaid, oh, yeah. <coughs> uh, Snow White, in, in The Emperor's New Groove, Snow White, yes. Cinderella's Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella's yes. mum. Yep. There's so many villains who are old women, and this is kind of something that's embedded um, in, 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 in our social context, where it's no longer, um, it's not really about sexism, but it kind of predates it, uh, it's, it's got that historical context of sexism. Hmm. Um, they talked a little bit about etymology of certain words, where there's Words like scold um, actually referred to this kind of humiliating kind of torture device that, that women would wear in the streets if they um, were... Unfaithful. Too, yeah, unfaithful or, or just too naggy, I think it was. Sorry, I'm probably delivering Sorry, second-hand if information. If they scolded their husbands too much, they get scolded. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> whereas nowadays we just say scold is to you know to 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 whine at someone or to to nag someone. Okay, okay. but it's, it was just kind of about revealing the the historical backgrounds of all these 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 feminism ideas, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, mm. I know this sounds wicked. Man, yeah. I want to want to go to this. And one. I thought it was really entertaining, but I happened to. Uh, See it with a couple of my genderqueer friends, one of whom uh, studied literature and uh, and, ge- and did gender studies, and they're like, "Yeah, it was an entertaining panel, but so much of it was wrong." Like, like personal flavor wise, or the actual mm. studies and history wise. Uh, just kind of just taking feminism a bit too far, or just kind of overusing mm. things, or, or misrepresenting words like uh, patriar- patriarchal societies, saying yep. certain terms out of context. Okay. I, I did gender studies. They did the same thing. They weren't feminists at all, which was really, really nice. And I've got to say, of some of the classes that I've done more on those angles at university, gender studies was one of the best. But the patriarchal society thing is always overused. 
Yeah. And they were also put off a little by it because one of the panelists was also in the steampunk panel beforehand. And uh, she said something about how women shouldn't wear corsets at all because of the because they were used as a symbol to oppress women. Now, because of what they were, women shouldn't wear them now because of what they represent. And their argument was that, okay, so they used to represent that, but that shouldn't, just because something has a dated historical uh, relevance, uh, doesn't, should, shouldn't stop a woman um, or anyone from wanting to wear a cassette purely for its aesthetic value. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, oh, I can dig that. I've got to admit, to, to get the most out of Continuum, I'd say it would be worth putting at least two days aside, mm. three if you can, because there seems to be so much good intelligent discussion going on in a lot of these panels and sometimes not so intelligent discussion that that to get the most out of it you really kind of need to go there for more than one day like we we only attended the one day unlike kyle and i feel like i sort of missed out on on a whole bunch of these it's things. an intelligent brain massage yeah. the goons yeah. for a couple of days it's very right. intense because panels are back to back and it's oh, yeah. like Hour-long panel after hour-long panel. Yeah, it's I felt, very invigorating. I, I felt quite exhausted, like mentally drained. In a good way, I was like, oh my god, yeah. so much. Uh, <laughs> Quick, I need a burger. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Give me that Mongolian beef. <laughs> I got it in there. <laughs> One thing I should briefly mention as well is um, you guys went off early on Saturday night, but they actually had uh, a masked ball. Um, yeah. They also had things like the uh, award ceremonies for the Kronos Awards. And the ball's pretty cool. Ray went along to that and uh, actually danced. And, oh, man, I should describe this. This is very cool. You go down, and they've got a cardboard TARDIS. And you go through the cardboard TARDIS. And it's bigger on the inside. And it's ah. bigger on the inside. And it's like cardboard TARDIS. It's kind of tacky, but it's still well-built enough to be cool. Yeah. But then you Ray look in the center it. of the room, and, and they've there's... got the interior hub of ah. the TARDIS. And it looks amazing. Oh, oh wow. Nice. Ray would have just <laughs> there wet himself. Oh, oh good. We can, we're going to get to see them. Were you hugging it? I wasn't. So, yeah, the, the, the dance music they play was very cool. So, lots of geeky stuff like, you know, David Bowie's Labyrinth song yeah. and things like that. <laughs> so, Ray definitely had a fun time with that while I was like off in the game room hanging out with people. I was going to say, that's kind of what you need at those things like that. Like, you can give them general music, but they're all there for the geek stuff. Yeah. So, it's good that they played to that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was a very geeky dance. We're scene. all there for the geek and, stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. continuum. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. And um, just a couple of other things I should also mention is Friday is free. So if... Because it's a bit of an expensive con, but if it's your first time or if you're a student, there are some substantial discounts to be had. So check Especially out the website for that. Especially since most students have Friday off. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you're unsure about it, go along to Friday for free and see what you like and see if you, it's the kind of show you'd like and then go along to the rest of the days if you'd mm. like to. Yeah. Uh, Monday was half price. Uh, the... The Saturday and Sunday being, you know, 10 a.m. to midnight conventions, you know, were full price. Uh, the dance uh, party was $15 if you just want to go yeah. see that on its own. So if you just want to go to a dance on Saturday night, you can just pay 15 bucks and get into that. Yeah. Mm. Um, obviously, prices may vary for the next year, but um, definitely check it out and uh, check out the first-time attendee uh, discounts as well. Is it... Do we know if it's held at the same place next year? It will probably be held at the same place next year. It's been there for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. and I believe it will also be held on the uh, Queen's, Queen's birthday, Queen's birthday uh, weekend in June in 2012. It was the right size for it. It wasn't too big. It wasn't so they weren't overreaching and going for a massive convention center. It was just it was just right because you felt it was quite intimate. A lot of, even like when they opened up into double rooms, it still felt really intimate. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely, definitely. Mm. 
Well, I give Continuum a thumbs up. Yep. So, this has been Can Geek. If you want more of these kind of events around Australia and New Zealand, check out the website www.cannedgeek.com and we've got a list of every event happening throughout the year. Um, can we just go around the table and we'll say farewell and feel free to pluck into Girl Lovely for a geeky type podcast. Yeah, well, I am Creden. We host the show actforonair.com. Uh, your guide to general fun furry frivolities and... Furry radio for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Logan. I don't have a podcast, but this has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do have a YouTube. Yeah. Oh, video work. Yeah, uh, Husky Paws on YouTube. One word. Uh, check it out. And so all of these things we've been talking about will be up in the show notes at cangeek.com. If you want to attend Continuum, check out their website, continuum.org.au. And if you'd like to see pictures of what we've been talking about, that will also be in the show notes. And if you'd like some other pictures of Carl, just email me on YouTube. That's so getting cut. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, considering that laugh, I'm going to leave it in. Goodbye, guys. (laughs) 